1: This is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for ClearPoint Credit Counseling Solutions. And Nancy Lotter anderson is associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. It's time for us to help you with your personal finance questions. We'll share the latest financial news that could affect your pocket and we'll take your phone calls. Plus we'll talk about eight ways to organize your financial life as we begin the new year, 2017. Call the show this morning with your comments and those personal finance questions. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for ClearPoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy lotridge janderson associate professor of finance at Mississippi College president of New Perspectives. It's time for us to help you with your personal finance questions. This morning, we'll share some financial news that could affect your pocket, and we'll take your phone calls. Plus, we'll tell you eight ways that you can organize your financial life as we begin the new year. So give us a call this morning with your comments and those personal finance questions. The phone number is one mpb ring That's one 672 seven four six four or send us an email money at mpbonline dot org. So good morning to you both. Hope that you had a good holiday.
2: Good morning.
1: Good morning. Chris and I were chatting before we came on the air. Both of us uh were sick over the holidays, at least for Christmas. I and I think we might have had something similar. I was just awful from like Friday afternoon through through Monday morning. Just felt really, really bad. But fortunately uh, the tide turned, was able to go down and uh, spend some time with my family down on the beach at my brother's place in Pensacola. Our brother from New York City came down, so that was nice. But Oh, that's uh, a good deal. Yeah, so I had my sort of, my holiday fun was after Christmas, and but like I said, that weekend, I, I, it was it was pretty bad, so um, I don't wish that on, on my worst enemy, uh, that's for and sure. And I've
2: decided after these last few days, I just don't
0: do cold.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm just not into <laughs> cold, you know? You're, you're
0: in the cool when that cold <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean there's a patch of ice still in yeah. my uh, front flower bed. Yeah, and it's going to be 70 degrees today.
0: Yeah, that's
1: what gets me. Is it was what in in central Mississippi was when we got into the I guess the teens, maybe. We the did. 20s, we and did. It's going to be what 60 degrees warmer by the end of the week. That certainly is very strange. But that's life here in Mississippi. You never know what to expect. Um, let's uh, start off. Uh, what uh, sort of financial news is there in the news?
2: Well, the most interesting thing yesterday—you um, may have noticed—that yesterday was the ten-year anniversary for the smartphone. Can you believe oh, wow. it? I mean, it's only been a decade, and we think of how many changes have come to our lives because of this phone. It's just amazing to me. Um, other financial news: the markets—you know—we're not hitting that Dow twenty thousand. We get close, and then we back off, and. Everybody's trying to guess what will 2017 bring, and we're all just throwing up our hands and saying, we don't know.
1: Also, I guess this is the time of year when folks uh, begin to think about W-2 forms and filing tax returns. So uh, hopefully maybe in the coming months we'll have uh, some tax help for you. But uh, this morning we're going to talk about... uh, uh, tidying up your financial life as we begin the new year, and also uh, looking for your personal finance questions as we do each week. And so we have an early caller on the line. So we'll, we start off by going to uh, Will in Philadelphia. Good morning, Will. morning. What do you have for us? Go ahead.
3: Yes, I'm a college student, and I, and I just it's a quick question. Is it smarter to consolidate loans if you have more than one student loan, or should you uh... – just pay them all individually. That, that was just my question. Thank you.
2: Well, it depends. And, um, you know, you have to be careful with consolidation and watch out to see if there are any additional fees and of course when you consolidate what is the interest charge on that you know the the price of money is that interest rate so you might do better to maintain your separate loans if you would have a weighted average that's lower than what you would get under consolidation but the biggest issue could be fees and so you just have to weigh that difference it is nicer to have one bill that you pay easier to keep up with And, um, and then you keep that total in front of you so that's your goal but again you just have to look at the interest rate and the change from going to separate loans to one big loan. All
1: right well thanks for your call again we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning also as we talk about some tips to uh, organize your financial life uh, at the beginning of the year uh, what do you do to keep your financial life uh, on track and organized give us a call with your questions and those comments at 1877 MPB ring it's 1877 You can send an email to money at MPBOnline.org, so we've got a list of uh, eight things to do, uh, and you know, I guess the the new year I think is a, a fresh start for people, and I think that's why the, you know it's a good time. You could really do this any time of the year, and probably a lot of these things uh, you need to do throughout the year. But as I say, as we start the new year, we kind of refresh and reorganize and refocus. So some things to think about uh, financially speaking, and the first one is one that we have mentioned uh, quite frequently on the show, uh, and that is to automate bill payments, and so. Um, I guess first of all, that's so that you don't forget them. Obviously, you don't have to remember to, you know, write a check or, or authorize your bank to send out a payment if it's automatically done. But also, Nancy, as we've mentioned before, it's it's kind of like when it's not there, it's not there, and it's well, easy but, to. Well, but the
2: one thing I have, one problem I have with automating is sometimes it doesn't force us to focus on the bill. And so if your electric bill is automated, then you never see that and pay attention to any changes or fluctuations in your bill. And that's a big issue. I mean, those things that we can have an impact on, I mean, you're not going to change your rent or your house payment very much. You know, That's just, it is what it is. But there are some other bills that are variable that it's important for us to pay attention to the variations. Um, Certainly with a credit card, you need to pay attention to variations someone might be using your card Uh, with any utility you could have some problems there with overuse uh, and you need to look at your plan and all of those things that come with that
0: you know an auto pay too, you better make sure you understand your cash flow on a monthly basis as funds come in you get and don't paid. get caught, right? Yeah, you got to really kind of, if you set it up, make sure you know your cash flow and, and, and understand that. So that's very critical.
1: A good point, though. And I think, uh, you know, continue to look at the bill, and then, uh, you know, it's easy to, that, that you're not going to miss a payment. But, again, make sure that you uh, keep track of things so that, uh, you know, I've, I've learned um, the hard way that uh, every time your credit card statement comes in, Take a quick minute, you know, and now even if it's electronic, same thing, just make sure that all the charges are charges that you made. Make sure there's not something there that you're not aware of. I usually of. say, mm-hmm.
2: I can't believe I did that.
1: <laughs> Mine is always, wait a minute, I didn't charge that. And then you really? look closer go, oh, well, yes, I did. Oh, I
2: have been known to call them to say, you know, I'm very irate. And then I go, oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: <laughs> We've got another caller on the line, so let's uh, talk next with uh, Amy, who's called in this morning. Amy, go ahead, please.
4: Yes, my question's about simple interest on a signature loan. Um, specifically, does it benefit me to pay it off early or is the interest kind of calculated up front and, and owed regardless? Uh,
0: the interest should be calculated, calculated off to your loan balance Well, that's simple interest, what it should. So if you, you, know, if you took out $1,000 at 10%, and I'm, I'm playing simple numbers, you know, it'd be about a hundred dollars uh, for the year in interest, uh, if you paid it out over the whole year. But if you paid it off early, you would pay less you'd pay less in interest charges.
4: Oh, okay. So you would benefit by paying off early based sure. on the term of well, the
2: of loan. And let me just okay. jump in here, Amy, because remember every loan comes with a contract. And so you sign something saying, I agree to this. Go back and look at the conditions of the contract. So what Chris described would be typical, but you could have something in your loan agreement that says, you know, basically doesn't matter when you pay it off. Or in some cases, there could be prepayment penalties. So read well, the I, loan actually, agreement.
4: Actually, this was for my sister. <laughs> she asked me about it, and I didn't know. And I told her to look in the contract. Yes. She, it, she I didn't know if it was in plain English. I kept telling her it could be prepayment like you just said, but I didn't know if it would be kind of garbled into <laughs> or well, pretty clear. they
2: call you it know, plain English, English, but, you know, that's questionable, right? Yeah, you know, I would say
0: this, you know, pretty much in your, I guess, going to a bank or a credit union, I would probably say that you're, uh, you can ask questions, look at the contract, but, you know, I'm going to make an assumption here now. I think most of the time you're dealing with simple interest. Outside of that, of higher cost lenders, you need to look at it pretty close to the contract, let's say it like that.
4: Well, I'm hopeful because she had gone to her bank. So, so good. <laughs> Thank you. That's helpful.
0: All right, Amy. Thanks for your call.
1: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. We've got some open phone lines, so give us a call if you have one at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 you can send an email to money at org. and again as we talk about the ways to organize your financial life in 2017 if you have any tips or things that you do to stay on track throughout the year financially speaking we'd love for you to share those with us this morning so number one we talked about automating bill payments and, and one thing that I do and that we've mentioned on the air here before too as well that is uh, similar to that is the idea of um, The levelized billing, I know two of my um, utilities do that. And
2: here again, this is my problem with doing that because then you don't pay attention to those seasonal fluctuations. You don't think about, oh, I need to turn that A.C. up a little bit or I need to make sure my lights are turned off or, oh, I have maybe uh, maybe I have a water bill that's spiked and I need to pay attention to I have a leaking toilet somewhere in the house.
1: Good point, but I would say that it it certainly is nice to know that your electric bill is going to be about the same, you know, 12 months out of the year. So,
2: I mean, I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to budget that way. But again, you just then can sometimes get fooled into see as as this is spread over 12 months into how you're inching up on some of those things.
1: All right, so we will put an addendum on there if you're going to automate your things, as we've said a couple of times here, don't just set it and forget it as uh, the guy on the infomercial used to say, uh, but you need to make sure, you know, go in each month, look at how much your your bill would be. Uh, and you know check your, your credit card statements to make sure there's nothing there that you' you don't recognize so um, it's it makes life simpler but don't automatically assume that that's it and you know like I say go go sit down and watch TV or whatever uh, need to take a quick break when we get back we're looking for your personal finance questions. the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. Support for MPB comes from Kyle Wynn & Associates, an elder law firm with offices in Bridgeland, Diamond and Hernando, assisting clients throughout the state with estate planning, including trusts, avoidance of probate, and nursing home asset protection. Details at kyle winncom Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. So uh, we're looking for your personal finance questions. But we're also talking about ways to uh, tidy up your financial life as we begin the new year. If you have a question for us, you can call 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 672 Seven four six four, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. In fact, uh, we do have a couple of emails here. The first one, a short one, it says a teenager wants to open up a savings account. How should she go about doing that?
2: Um, Well, if you're not of the age of majority here in Mississippi, that's 21, you're probably going to have to have an adult's name on it. And that means it's going to be, I'm assuming, a custodial account where it's legally that um, teenager's money, but that there is an adult who would also be signing on that for a while until that person reaches 21.
1: And shop around. I mean, I uh, we've talked about the you know uh, interest rates aren't the best,
0: and that's not the primary reason for that. They're getting better uh, though.
2: Yes,
1: but uh, Christmas would
0: be a great uh, (laughs) getting better. I'm sorry, I had to laugh. Interest rates are getting better. They're getting uh, higher.
2: No, better, better if if you're if you're saving. Worse if you're borrowing. Right? I need to qualify that.
1: uh, but, you know, we always talk, Chris, about getting kids involved in, in financial, and this would be a good one, you know, to go to the bank with, with her and walk her through that, but then this it's kind of a good entry into the financial
0: world for a teenager. Yeah, I think, you know, again, we're back to understanding the value of a dollar and making decisions, uh, you know, over the holidays, again, we got to where our kids are at an age where we give them money to go shopping and so, say, is you alls decision on what you want to do? and. Uh, you know, they made their own decisions to go out and buy items. And, um, uh, again, these items, some of them, you know, some of them were looked at it and said, no, nah, I'm not going to spend that much for that. I would rather see if I can get a better deal somewhere else. And um, uh, so it, it's understanding the value of that dollar, starting at a young age and and, um, and setting aside some money, seeing that, uh, yeah, it is, it it does make sense to save some money.
1: Yeah, and I think early on, you know, because I, I think it would be exciting for the, the teenagers to – you know, each time the statement comes in to see how that money is growing, and that's certain, something we've uh, tried to encourage in people. So that uh, starting out early like that, I think, would be a good way to uh, get someone on the on the right track when it comes to their financial life as they uh, grow up through uh, high school, college, and then move out on their own. Here's another email. This one says, I've I've had a Roth IRA for 20-plus years, and the value of my Van Campen mutual fund has pretty much followed the stock market. However, starting with the rise in stocks since Trump's election, that trend has ended As the Dow goes up, the mutual fund goes down. I'm in the market for the long term, but I'm wondering if this trend change is an indication of mutual fund weakness or a bubble in the Dow that is creating the separation.
2: Well, there are a couple of things you need to understand. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is an index that only is composed of 30 stocks. That's it, 30 stocks. And they're very particular stocks. It's heavy on oil companies, big oil, and financials, big banks. And those are the two that have done really, really well since the election. Um, Part of that has been because of OPEC meeting and deciding to cut production. And so oil prices have spiked you know, probably over $10 a barrel just in the last couple of months. That has certainly helped them. And then among the financials, uh, we've seen a rise because we think possibly there may be more business activity or less regulation that will help uh, the bank's bottom line. And that's because that's those are the two areas that have benefited the most. So we're starting to see a split. The S&P 500, which is actually 501 stocks, is a broader index, but it's still large U.S. companies' you know, a lot of oil and banks in there. Um, if you look at the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ has done not nearly as well. So we saw for 2016, the Dow gained like 13.5%. Um, I think the S&P was like around 95 And then the NASDAQ, which is heavy in technology, was only 75 And NASDAQ actually saw declines since the election in that technology and overseas areas. So it depends. So you need to go look at that mutual fund and ask the question, what are the stocks in there? And if it has typically followed the market, I would not be concerned right now, just because we're seeing this divergence because of the particular sectors in those indexes.
1: So why are there 501 stocks in a thing called the 500? I don't know. Has <laughs> it always been know. that way, or did they add I one? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know.
1: That's like uh, for the sports fans, uh, there's not uh, 10 teams in the Big Ten. I think there's 11 teams in the Big Ten. So I guess it's a catchy name, so we'll, we'll stick with that, I guess, right. is the thinking there. Right. Another email here from Lee asks, what do you recommend for budgeting software and what features to look for? I know I have uh, something that can be used as budgeting software. It's a Quicken. It works as both a check register, but it also has some things where you can uh, track your money where it goes if you set up the categories in it and that sort of thing. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is that it has a smartphone a companion to it. And so um, I used to have to save receipts and and i was bad about you know just piling them up And so at the end of each month when i'm going to balance my checkbook i'd have this big huge stack of receipts to go through and sometimes the ink was smeared or you couldn't remember what the numbers were but with the with the app you can as soon as you spend some money go ahead and enter that in the mobile app then when you get home you can sync it with uh with the main program on your pc so i've found that to be very helpful uh, do either of you have any experience with I know, uh,
0: you know mint.com's mm-hmm. out there um you know, there's a number of softwares out there, I mean, that you can find but um uh, and again, you know, some people like technology, some people pencil and papers. You know, sometimes it depends on how people spend money too. Well, if they say, Well, I only have four bills and I don't spend any money, well, you know, it's you can't spend a lot of time tracking things or you can just keep it really simple. So it just depends on what your need level is.
3: Well,
2: I've heard good things about mint. The biggest issue is uh mint can cannot always distinguish If you've done shopping at a, let's say, a a big box store and you bought a variety of things, maybe you've even gassed up your car, well, it's difficult for me to figure out, well, what goes in what category? Um, But I think with any of it, it's just important to be paying attention, whether you do it with pencil and paper or you have some sort of uh, software package that helps you monitor that, that you just start looking at that and then you pay attention to trends and look for ways you can cut some of your expenses so you can save more.
1: And also I would say that I think there are so many out there that it would be easy to kind of do a search online and, and look at the features and, and, and maybe even try them out for a couple of times and see if it works with you. Does it something that you find easy to use and to interact, interact with and then and go with that? There are, as we've said, a number of them out there. Uh, the other thing I like is that um, when you're using these, Outside of inputting the numbers incorrectly, there are no math errors. In other words, five minus three is always two, where, in, I don't know, in my case, it was four every once in a while, or maybe one. So <laughs> obviously not that simple, but you get
0: the point there. Have so. you heard of a calculator? <laughs> well, and, you know, and Nancy brought a point, I mean, you can have the best software, you can have the best strategy, but you got to stop, take the time, focus on, on details, and, and kind of implement it. And um. Uh, I guess the information going in, if it's good information, you're going to get good data back out. Um, If it's not good information going in, then you're going to go, well, you're going to say things aren't working, but it's not the software, it's the inputter. So got to think about that from that standpoint. And I
2: think for most people, when it comes to budgeting, you know, they just roll their eyes and go, oh, my God, how can I keep up with this? And the people who really love to budget really don't need to budget, you know. Um, but for most of us, we're busy, um, and it's not something that you have to monitor on a daily basis, I don't think. Um, I think you can just... Um, go back on an occasional basis, even once a year, looking at what your spending has been over the previous year, and um set up some automatic savings so it carves that out and make sure you 're covered on your regular bills and you're fine
1: so I guess w- one of the bottom line things that we' that i'm hearing so far that w- what are from our discussion is these um Programs automating things using software using your computer, using your smartphone are ways to make tracking your finances easier, but obviously, as we said, as I said earlier, don't set it and forget it. you still have to be actively involved uh stay on top of things and know what's going on uh just this makes life just a little bit easier we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning on money talk, so give us a call at one eight seven seven m p b ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven you can email the show money at mpbonline.org so as i said we talked about automating bill payments but also uh, keeping track looking at your monthly statements uh, each month if you uh, have levelized billing for some of your um, uh, utilities again make sure track that to make sure that there's not any kind of spikes in your usage of your electricity or your water or your gas number two on the list another one that we talk about frequently and that's the idea of pay yourself first and again, uh, the the thought here is that you can possibly some employers will allow you to have some money deducted from your account, you know, right off the top uh, to go into savings account. But if your employer doesn't do that, you can do that yourself. And again, here the idea I think that we've said is that once you kind of get into there uh, your monthly budget, then you you're used to what money you have left on hand, and it's easier to to go from there. But important to to try to build those savings. Why not uh, do it by kind of pulling it off the top?
2: Absolutely, and this is a perfect time to look at those employer retirement plans. If you have a 401k or some other type of retirement plan, you're going to be getting a statement in the next few weeks that will give you information about um, your accumulated funds and the performance from last year. So take a look at that and ask yourself the question can I do more? Can I up it maybe 1% or 2%? Did I get a raise? Can I split that raise between my pocket and my 401k? And then also take a critical Look at how you have that plan invested. If you need some help, find somebody who can objectively look at that with you and explain what you have, and uh, then try to choose those funds that will be good long-term funds for you.
0: So, an example when we say pay yourself first, I like to think of this. this, this think of it this way: is um, as I take funds out, I'm actually setting aside for my future. What do I want for my future? And you've got to start kind of get that mindset of this is for down the road. This is for the future. This is going to be when I have that challenging time, when I say retirement or an emergency fund, um, that it's for the future. I've got to make that decision for the future. So I'm trying to get that mindset.
1: And I think even if it's maybe a short-term goal like this is for a family vacation this summer, that sort of thing, that's a, it's a good mm-hmm. thing to keep in mind. And, again, it does say that you, if your employer doesn't do this, you can do it yourself. I've done that. Uh, it takes a little bit to get it set up. But I know I had to uh, I had to have the routing number of my checking account and that sort of thing. But that's easy that you can find out and, and your bank would be able to. Because you can
2: find it on your checks, at the bottom of your checks.
1: And, if if and, I still have a check
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or maybe a deposit slip, or just call your bank. Right, right. And the it's a nine-digit was... number mm-hmm. that, that uh, you'll be required to have that and your bank account number to get that set up. But now, with technology as it is, it's very simple to get an account opened and start mm-hmm. to get it funded.
1: We've got some more callers on the line, so let's return to the phones. Starting again in Jackson, Susan's called in. Good morning, Susan. Go ahead, please.
4: Good morning, I'm turning 70 this year, and I'm getting uh, notices from some of my retirement accounts that I have to take distribution. What do I do?
2: Okay. um, When you're 70 and a half, and don't ask me why they decided on the half.
4: Well, the half will be in June.
2: Okay. In, uh, so that means this year you are required to take an RMD, a required minimum distribution. And wherever you have your accounts, and maybe you have five IRA accounts or 401Ks somewhere. Then, That's about right. Well, each of those providers should give you the information. They should do the calculation for you. And they should send you that information, and it is a calculation based on the value of that account at the end of the previous year, which would have been twelve thirty one 2016 And based on that value and your age, then they will tell you this is how much you have to take out. If you don't take that out, at least that amount, there is a 50% penalty.
4: Oh my.
2: Right. Now the interesting thing about this is you have some <laughs> flexibility. So if you have five IRA accounts and they each send you a number and when you add up all that num the all five of those numbers, maybe it's 25,000. You don't have to take it out of each one of those separate accounts. You can take it all out of one account if you wanted to. Okay. As long as that total amount fits the bill as far as the required minimum distribution on each of those accounts. Okay? Okay. So that's what we often do. So if we have one account that we have more flexibility in taking money out or we have one account that, oh, it's been doing well, we want to leave it alone, and you can do it that way.
0: Would this
4: the time to consolidate everything into one account
2: that's possible and um, first you have to make sure what type of accounts you have for instance if you have an annuity and you tried to consolidate it with just a regular IRA you might have surrender penalties so you first have to figure out um, can I move this money without any penalties And if that's the case, it's probably a good idea, especially, you know, as you're getting on up in age, to have everything in one place. It's easier for you to draw on, easier for you to manage.
4: That easier to manage, yes. Yes. Okay, thank you very much.
1: Okay, good luck. Thanks for the call, Susan. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue taking your phone calls and talking about ways to tidy up your financial life for the new year. Frank's in DeSoto County. Frank, if you could hold through this break, you'll be the first up when we get back. If you have a call, a question this morning, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Back with more after this. Days right around the corner, and Chapter One of a new administration is set to begin. As stories take shape, NPR will be here with coverage you can depend on to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for ClearPoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lotter anderson associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions this morning at one mpb ring It's one mpb 672-7464 send an email to money at org. we're also talking about ways to tidy up your financial life as we begin the new year Frank's held on for us through the break Frank we appreciate that, you're on the air so go ahead
3: yeah I just wanted to kind of make a plug for uh, my credit union, you know, I live in DeSoto County and, and uh, they have been so helpful in many financial things that I've ever done uh, they play. A great interest rate, much higher than the banks, charge less than the banks. And uh, I was surprised at the end of the year when they uh, declared an extraordinary dividend, I think I got about $100. Every member got a different amount depending on how much money they had on there or how much uh, they had borrowed uh, uh, during the year. And so, and anybody can be in there if you're a citizen of Dakota County, you can. Join the credit union. You don't have to be working in a certain place or, or anything. They offer IRAs and, uh, and just about any of the financial, uh, things that you, you would need. And it's just like, uh, what I call the hometown bank was 40, mm-hmm. 40 50 years ago when you went in and you knew everybody and everybody knew you. Um, it's just, just really, really good. And I just wanted to give them a plug and hope that, uh, some people
1: could take advantage of them, and that's all I have to say. Great. Good call, Frank. Thanks for, for mentioning that, and, you know, I think Frank's right, a couple of things there. I think these days there are uh, enough kind of different credit unions that I think you could find one that that you would fit in in terms of, you know, who you are, where you live, your job, that sort of thing. But, again, they are set up kind of to benefit members, and so that's uh, – I'm a member of a credit union, and uh, had when I had uh, – my roof re- needed repair after some damage. I got a loan through the, the credit union, and so uh, I'm a big believer in, in credit unions as, as well.
2: I love the credit union. Um, legally, they are limited um, as far as how much they pay above what is the standard rate at local banks, but they usually do pay a better rate, and you also get some better rates on loans. Um, I like the idea of, if, depending on the credit union I am I am involved in, I am in one at Mississippi College, that. They That is also loaning out uh, money to uh, people, staff, who might need money for a car or some other issue. And so that's a feel-good thing for me as well.
1: Uh, We had someone who left a question about uh, asking about the bond market, the health of the bond market these days.
2: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, right before the election, the 10-year Treasury yield was at 1.75%. It's now at 2.37%. That's an increase of about 0.65, over half a percent increase in a very short period of time. The bond market is kind of in disarray right now. So as interest rates Rise, the bond values go down, and so it's making it very difficult for us to manage our bond portfolios. Um, now, those rising interest rates, as we mentioned earlier, means you might get a better. Rate on your savings account or your credit union account, but it also means they're going to start raising the rates on loans. And so you're going to see that happening. And our big concern right now, especially with this spike, is that we are seeing inflation coming into play. And if that happens, um, and depending on what the policies uh, are enacted this next year, it could mean that the Federal Reserve acts even quicker in raising the rates. So it's going to be sort of a push pull as we want growth. But if you get things overheated, then you've got a real problem.
1: And I guess uh, if you invest in bonds, it's kind of a stability, a long-term investment? Well,
2: typically. But right now, with rising rates, the longer-term bonds are more at risk to lose value. So we have been at very short terms. uh, We call that duration. That accounts for the time to maturity as well as the cash flows and um, trying to be very defensive as we try to manage through this rising interest rate environment. So bonds um, typically are the safe haven, give you income, stability, uh, move differently than the stock market we hope most of the time. But right now the bond market is not a happy
1: place. All right. Back to the phone lines we go. We say good morning to Walter, who's called in from Louisiana. Go ahead, Walter. You're on the air.
4: Yes, sir. Uh, good morning, T.R. Good morning. I got a question for you. I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I got a loan mortgage that I'm paying back. I've paid like about $600 a month. That doesn't include the extra and, and the interest and everything. But I'm sending I'm paying them an extra $200 a month on the principal. Is that a good idea or not?
0: yeah yeah i mean if you like i said if you if you're um, if you're managing your cash flow and oh, yeah. you know, um, look at your statement make sure it's being um applied uh, correctly and um but if that's two hundred dollars a month on principle well i look at it, look at it like over a year that's like um twenty four hundred dollars extra so over a period of four years that's around ten thousand dollars, so you're making progress and you're taking advantage of a savings in interest, yes, you're paying extra in principle. But you're going to save a lot of interest if uh, compared to just paying it out over, you know, the, the original contract length. You'll save a lot of money.
2: Well, and if, you, if your goal is to just get it paid off early, um, then that's a good thing to do. But, you know, you also have to look at what is the interest rate on that mortgage if it's low enough Um, then, you know, in some cases we will let that ride because we've got a low interest rate and we get a tax deduction. But for a lot of people, you reach a point where the tax deduction doesn't really help you much anymore. And if you're, you know, you're looking towards retirement and I want my house to be paid off, do it.
3: Okay, thank you.
1: Thanks for the call, Walter. Let's go next to uh, Earl, who's called in today. Good morning, Earl. What's your question?
3: Hey, good morning. How are you folks today?
1: Doing good, thanks.
3: I had uh, my mother passed away this summer, and she left me a couple of certificates of deposit. And my question is, what are the tax implications on CDs that are POD?
2: Um, Gosh, because um, when do they mature?
3: Uh, I think they've all been matured for some time, apparently.
2: All right. And if you've taken possession.
3: That's correct.
2: Okay, I I, I can't imagine that there's gonna be much of anything. What we usually have upon someone's death is something called a stepped up cost basis. So that means that asset, whatever the value is on that person's death, becomes your new cost basis as if you just paid new money for that. And then if you were to turn around and sell it, the difference between that would be what you pay tax on. And for a certificate of deposit, you know, it's just interest. And so my guess is that your tax liability is just going to be related to the interest that occurred once you became the owner, which would be on the date of her death.
3: And if I cash those in that day and put those into an interest income account, I, what effect would that have i
2: i I don't think it's going to be much. I mean if they cash in at the face value, meaning if it's a thousand dollars c d and they gave you a thousand plus any interest um then i i don't I don't think there's going to be anything but check with your c p a or your tax preparer
3: all right. we'll do that. Thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for the call, Earl. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines for you to call in with your personal finance questions. The number is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. As we talk about tidying up your financial life for the new year, we've talked about a couple of things so far, automating bill payments. But, again, our caveat is to uh, not just set it and forget it, but to keep on track. Uh, maybe look at your statements each month from a credit card to make sure there are no strange charges on there. And if you uh, uh, um, if you um, have a uh, levelized billing system for, account for your uh your um, Utilities, make sure that there are no crazy spikes in your electricity use or any of your other utilities. We talked about paying yourself first, and that means putting money away uh, maybe from the top of your paycheck each month for savings. Uh, And number three we've also mentioned, and that's the idea of track your spending. So it's either pen or pencil if you're you're comfortable with that, or as I mentioned, I use Quicken. There's also things like Mint, uh, Tiller. Uh, Find a a program that you like and uh, just make an effort to keep track of where the money goes each month and that will help you uh when you go to set up a monthly budget we need to take uh, the final break of the hour when we get back we're looking for your personal finance questions again the phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING our phone number is 1-877-672-7464 our email address is money at mpbonline.org back to wrap up the show after this On MPB Think Radio, Kevin Farrell with Chris Burford and Nancy Lottridge-Anderson. We've been taking a number of personal finance questions this morning, still have some open phone lines and some time left in the hour, so give us a call if you have a question. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Hannah next. She's called in from Oxford. Good morning, Hannah. Go ahead.
3: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, This November, I will be 70 years old, and I have a a 401K. Um, My question is, um, what do I need to do regarding the minimum distribution uh, to to take the money out and that kind of good stuff? Well,
2: um, if your birthday is in November, then you won't be 70 and a half until 2018. But the the problem you might run into is that um, this is what happens when, when, because of that half year that we have in law is that you may end up having to take out two distributions in one year. So a lot of people will go ahead and take it out. So I would just talk to whoever um, has your account, whoever's the custodian of your account, whether it's your local bank or a mutual fund, and um, look at going ahead and maybe taking out uh, a distribution this year.
3: Any time?
2: Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just sometimes during the calendar year. And oh, cool. um, get them to, to look at maybe doing a calculation for you and talk to you. You can even go to the IRS.gov website uh-huh. and look up information on required minimum distributions, and yes. it will explain to you that 70 and a half and what can happen when you have... Two distributions in one year because they're going to be taxable. Every penny that you take out is going to be taxable income.
3: Right. Well, what is the the, the tax? What percentage are they going to take or do I have to pay?
2: Well, it depends on all your other income, so I don't know what that is. Uh And um, a lot of people will go ahead and ask them to take out some, typically 10% off the top, Uh just to have some money going in. Um, I tend to not to like to pay the irs before i have to so um but you just have to be prepared when tax time comes so if you take that out uh this year then when you file your taxes in april of 2018 you'll have to pay the tax on that distribution
3: i got you okay Right. thank you so much okay Um, Uh, for your information. Thank
0: you. You have a good day. You too. Nancy, real quick, and I've just, I don't know, just light bulb came on because I always think of people 70 or retired. What if somebody been working for a company 25 years or 70, Going on, you know, getting ready to seventy and a half. They've got a four one k or four. And they, yeah, and I mean, they're still, still saying they're report. still
2: working. I'm trying to rem- remember all of this because I think you're still going to be subject to the RMD, the required minimum okay. distribution. At the same time, you may be still putting money in. It's kind of a weird situation, and you may have IRA accounts elsewhere that you still have to do that distribution really?
1: okay. on. We have another phone call, so we're off to Water Valley. As we say good morning to John. Hello, John. In the morning, go ahead. So
3: I've I've heard recently about changes to the general accounting standards and practices that will require municipalities to start putting unfunded pension liabilities uh, above the line, in the beginning in July. I know there's some talk on that affecting the municipal bond market, and I just wanted to hear your guys' comments on it. Uh, thank y'all. I'll just listen off the air.
2: Well, I mean, we we certainly have some grave concerns about these pensions that are underfunded out there, and we used to think about a municipality as being, you know, you never saw municipal bonds default, and then we had Orange County, California way back, and we've had several defaults uh, through the financial crisis of 2008 and afterwards, and so there is concern, because with any bond, it's all about, can they pay you back with the interest that agreed to pay and um, so now if they're facing the situation of you know we're really showing that we're short uh, as far as our budget then that puts their budget in question and if they're not able to raise taxes to cover that shortfall then that could mean uh, a possible default so each issue is going to be treated differently is it is it a state Uh, that we're looking at and some states are in worse shape than others Um, so you have to be careful because um, it all depends when it comes to municipal bonds it depends on the health of the budget and their ability to tax and the health of their local economy whether that's a city a county or state
1: all right thanks for the call let's go next to robert who's in oxford good morning robert i have a tale to
4: divulge and i do not divulge gleefully that uh, I have Parkinson's. I've had it for a number of years, and uh, I always had a period when I've had some terrible days as Parkinson goes, and uh, I could barely stand up, much less go to a bank or grocery, and uh, I guess you'd say I was depressed, and uh, I, divulged my, I gave out my PIN number to, to my debit card to a couple of caregivers in this period, and uh, they later... Abused it, the information, and to the tune of thousands of dollars out of my checking and savings accounts. And, uh, so, uh, I would just, uh, I don't know why I didn't realize it earlier, but I should have get, gotten a debit card and loaded it with small amounts. And, uh, and there's no kind of protection on my, because they were making fifteen or more, uh, transactions a day sometimes. And it never showed any kind of warning on my from my bank. Which kind of surprised me. Uh, they said they offered such a thing, but I guess you have to pay for it. Uh, but uh I was just hoping maybe my advice might there might be a few people out there if they if they're in this situation of needing caregivers or most caregivers are very good people, you know. I'm not cutting cutting down caregivers, but you know, it's just best to be, take you know, what caution you can. And uh, I'm just saying there may be a few people in this situation or need caregivers or know someone that they might recommend this to that just doesn't it just hasn't struck them the, the proper thing to do. Uh, and I hope this may be helpful to mm-hmm. somebody.
1: Robert, that's that's an excellent point, and uh, uh, you know I, th- I think it makes a good idea of, of if if uh, to to have a. Um a credit card, preloaded credit card that has X amount of money that they can do that. And that's just a sad situation. Uh, well, and situation. that protects you.
2: And, uh, Robert, I'm so sorry that help happened to you. That is just, you know, when you trust somebody and then they betray that trust, it is just gut-wrenching. There are some um, companies out there, nonprofits now, that have people whose job it is to work with people in your situation where they're having trouble managing their own finances, coming through and working with you and they are bonded and uh, very trustworthy as far as helping with that because we are seeing a lot of people being taken advantage of in this situation. And um, so, uh, as you say, a loaded card would have limited the damage. Um, A debit card uh, is immediate. The cash comes out immediately. You have no control over it. Um, Even if you were to complain about it, it takes a while for that money to come back.
1: Thanks, Robert. Good uh, tip. That will end the show for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from you, our listeners. And we always say a big thank you for that financial support. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way that you can find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. Our show is produced by Sam Wells, and our caller to screener today was Java Chapman, I believe. For Nancy Lotter Janderson and Chris Burford, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's In Legal Terms, followed by Relatively Speaking at 11. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio.